Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Purim is over, and now we turn our attention to Pesach. And as I did last year in this podcast, I want to take some time before the Pesach Seder to think about some ideas as to how we can make this holiday even more meaningful than it is and make the Seder experience even more meaningful. And I want to begin by referring to the Torah portions that we've been reading the past couple of weeks and will continue to read in the weeks to come from the book of Leviticus, the book of Ayikra. When we begin to read the book of Ayikra, we immediately immerse ourselves in the world of sacrifices, korbanot, animal sacrifices, which according to the Torah is the way to worship God, the way to praise God, the way to seek forgiveness from sins we might have committed. And it's very easy to think, looking back on these sacrifices, how could they have possibly been meaningful to people? And why would God ordain sacrifices? What could they possibly mean? We're not alone in asking that question. The prophets asked the questions too, while not rejecting sacrifices. Many of them pointed out the fact of what God really wants. For example, Prophet Micah, what does God really want from us? Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Clearly, as the prophetic tradition grew and as the centuries moved along, the prophets became more and more attuned to the idea of talking about the importance of behavior and the importance even of prayer as a complement, anyway, to sacrifices. Maimonides in the Middle Ages wrote that he believed that the sacrifices were, in essence, a way that God chose to wean the people away from offensive practices, from meaningless practices, and from dangerous practices in the days before the giving of the Torah and the covenant at Sinai, and that the people couldn't be expected to rid themselves completely of these ideas and these practices, and therefore the sacrifices with their attention to God were in essence a way of not making wholesale complete changes at one time in the way the people viewed their relationship with God, but moved them in the direction where they eventually would leave sacrifices behind and concentrate on what's really important. Again, our behavior, our words, our commitment to tshuva, to repentance, and to tzedakah, gemilut chasadim, Actions, acts of loving kindness. So we're not alone in questioning the value of sacrifices. But the question is, can we look back to that time thousands of years ago and imagine what the people who performed those sacrifices or offered those sacrifices, what kind of an experience it was for them? How could it possibly have been a spiritual experience, we might wonder? How could it possibly be moving? It, 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 all of the, the things that go along with our thoughts about sacrifice, how could it possibly relate to their feelings about God and the spiritual sense that the sacrifices were intended to uh, produce for people? Well, I can tell you that I think I, and I'm not alone in this, I, there are others, maybe others listening to this particular podcast, who I think have a better idea of how to answer that question, because I, and again, many others, I'm sure, 
have actually seen a biblical sacrifice. And if not a biblical sacrifice, then at least a reasonable facsimile thereof, as we used to say. And I'm referring to the Passover sacrifice performed by the Samaritan community in Israel when they go on Pesach, as it occurs on their calendar, to Mount Grizim, the mountain of blessing mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy. Mahar Grizim, Mount Grizim, in the northern part of the West Bank. And there, perform a sacrifice on Passover very, very much like the sacrifice that we read about in chapter 12 in the book of Exodus, a very moving chapter. The Samaritans, and I could go into great detail of who they are, and I'm not going to do that here. You could, if you're interested, you could look up more uh, online or, or do some more research on it. And the, to, 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 to state it simply, according to their own self-definition, the Samaritans generally believe that they are the descendants of the remnants of the northern kingdom of Israel, which had split away from Judea in the south, and in the 8th century BCE had been destroyed by the Assyrians. With their shrine, with their temple at Mount Grizim, rather than in Jerusalem, their temple at Mount Grizim being destroyed. And therefore, they, the Samaritans, feel that they are, in essence, connected with the biblical tradition. And since they were not exiled to Babylonia, developing traditions that happened in Babylonia, and since they do not, by and large, accept the rabbinic interpretations of Jewish law through the Talmud, they really feel, in some senses, that they are cl more closely connected with the religion of biblical Israel. And so they invite people to come to see this sacrifice so that people will have, first of all, perhaps more respect for or more understanding of the Samaritans, but even more than that, to have perhaps an inkling, perhaps some kind of a sense of what a sacrifice might have been like in the time of the Torah. And in fact, we made that journey the year that I lived in Israel as a student, back when I was in rabbinical school. We made that journey, our, our school arranged for us to get tickets to this event and tickets you needed, and there were in fact bleacher seats set up. And we arrived close to sundown and stood and watched as the Samaritan families brought each of them a lamb and performed the sacrifice, slaughtered the lamb, dressed it, and then prepared it for cooking so that they could in fact have it on their table, so to speak, as they told the story of Passover and the story of the Exodus as it was written again in the, um, the book of Exodus. It was an intense experience, I have to tell you. And uh, I have some memories of it. I mean, this is going back 42 years and I have some grainy, out of focus pictures because it was very dark at the time. And all I remember of it was two things. First of all, how intense it was. How, it, how the, 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 the sound, the smell, the sight, of the experience was just enormously intense. And while I wouldn't say it was all spiritually intense, some of the intensity, it crept into the area of spiritual intensity. As I watched these, the priests perform their, their actions, as I heard the words, as I saw the, the, the faces of the individuals, and even though it wasn't, so to speak, the way I would observe it, obviously, 
please. I'm no, in no way do I want to have this sound like um, I'm being romantic, romanticizing uh, sacrifices. I'm not. But it was an intense experience that was absolutely fascinating. The second thing that I remember about it was that after the sacrifice had been finished, after the slaughtering of the lambs had been finished, went down. I went down with a few of my friends and we chatted with some of the people who were standing around uh, the, the Samaritan community and they were explaining to us some of the details about what they had done. And in fact, one of them invited me back to his home for the Seder. I, I had to respectfully decline. We had a bus going back to Jerusalem. But as I watched and talked to them, I, I saw in their eyes how, how, how deeply committed to this they were. And not just because of history, but because of what it was saying to them. And then I saw something that I will never forget. I turned around and I saw a father standing with three young children. And the father reached into the blood that was pooled on the ground underneath one of the places of sacrifice and had placed a drop of the blood on the forehead of each of the children. They were mesmerized. He had tears in his eyes as he hugged each of them individually. No one had to tell me or anybody else who saw it what that was about. As our ancestors put blood on the doorposts to protect the homes, he was putting blood on his children's forehead to protect them from plague, to protect them from death, to protect them from destruction. It was astounding. And by the way, I should tell you that I've done some research on it and I find out this is a rather common ritual that parents had done. I only saw it done by this once. I, the one family, I thought it was uh, spontaneous, but apparently it was planned. Either way, it touched me deeply. And all of the intensity of the sound and the smell, everything faded into the background as I watched this father with his children. What does it mean to us now? And why do I bring it now? There is no evening as intense or potentially intense in Jewish tradition as the Pesach Seder. Now, emotionally intense may be kol nidre. I'm not going to argue with that. But at the Pesach Seder, think about it. It is sensually intensive. The smell, the sight, the sound, the taste, the touch, all of our senses are involved in the Passover Seder. And yes, the intensity has been, of, of, of sensual, at least sensory intensity, has been dialed down over the years, so to speak, since the end of the sacrificial era. I understand that. And we become more talking rather than feeling, but the intensity is still there. The intensity of the taste of the maror, the intensity of the sound of the prayers filling a home, the intensity of the feeling of the matzah as we touch it in our hands for the first time. This year is going to be an extremely important year for Pesach Seders, for many of us, because God willing, it should continue this way that we should feel a little bit of a break from COVID. For our family and for many, it's going to be the first time in three years that we gather around the table with dear friends, in our case, friends whom we've celebrated the Seder with, the first Seder with for many years now, we're back together. That in and of itself is going to be an intense experience. But I want to ask the question, what can we do since we haven't had this experience for three years to make the Seder even more intense now that instead of doing it over Zoom or instead of doing it over the phone or each doing it individually, we're actually gathering a community 
around us. We're actually in a community. How can we make this evening even more intense? What can we do? Yes, again, to use what I just said, that we dialed it down since the time of the sacrifice. I don't expect it to be that kind of an intense sensory experience. But all of the ingredients are there to make it more intense, more meaningful, more powerful. Yes, we want to relax with friends. We want to feel comfortable in freedom. But there is a moment of intensity that the Pesach Seder can provide. How are we going to take it? How are we going to use these sensory experiences and increase them, intensify them? If you have ideas, I'd love to hear. Please, always, you can send me an email or a Facebook message or go to my website. Second question, remembering that ritual of the father with his children. What one moment in the Seder can we either invent or reinvigorate or, or, or um, rediscover, so to speak, if we haven't been doing it? What can we do that will make it not only an intense evening all over the place, all over, but how can we make one moment stand out? How can we make it be that moment that if somebody were joining us for the Seder, who didn't, who had never been in the Seder before, would look and say, that's the moment. That's the moment I want to remember. That's the moment I will never forget. Think about it, please. Take the time to think. We have a few weeks before the Seder, whether you're leading or participating in the Seder, whichever it may be, think of those two things. How can we make the general evening more intense? How can we take the sensory experience and, and, and amplify it to the point of greater meaning. And secondly, what one moment do we want to have stand out? What one moment do we want to have stand out at the Seder? Think about it. And I hope that if you have some ideas, you'll send them to me. I'd love to hear them. We have some time to prepare. Until next time, thank you.